Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Theology Thursday. My name is Alex Hauser. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at the church, and I'm joined with Doug Becker, our pastor of theology. What's up, Doug? Hey, everybody. It's good to see you, man. Good to be seen. And to so see we've you. got a... Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just talking about how, uh, how handsome you are today. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yes. I've got Corona beard. Hashtag Corona beard <laughs> rocking and rolling over here. As so, Doug, we've got, a, uh, we've got a pretty awesome question for us here today, right? So for... Theology Thursday for this week, the big question sitting at the top is, can a Christian lose their salvation? Which uh, I know can be a very long topic if we get into the weeds. And so, uh, Doug, I'll trust that uh, you'll, you'll continue to guide us through here uh, and just kind of stick to the meat of, of really what we're hoping to answer here, which is, is this idea, you know, if somebody really is saved, no, meaning that they recognize the work that Jesus has done for them at the cross, and look to him as Lord and Savior, and in faith, um, trust in his work to, um, to save them from their own sin, and pay the price for their own uh, iniquities, and walk forward. Can they ever, at, from that point forward, can they ever lose their salvation? Can that ever change? Yes. So, uh, take it away, I mean, Doug. I mean, no. Um, <laughs> no, all right, great, awesome. Good seeing you, Doug. Uh, happy Theology Thursday. So yeah, I think that was a very good, accurate way to describe what salvation is, what we're talking about when we talk about that, right? It's the heart of everything that we do as a church um, is, is bringing people to Jesus, bringing people to saving faith in Jesus. So what we're asking is, is can that be lost? And the short answer is no, it cannot. <laughs> okay, so true saving uh, a true saving relationship with Jesus cannot be lost. Okay. Uh, but there are a number of caveats that we need to go into to, to qualify that because that oh, yeah. can be, yes, like that your can Latin be, pronunciation. Of <laughs> that could be misunderstood. That could be uh, misused, abused. Right. And it often is. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a lot of different angles on this, by the way, and you know we're not going to be able to cover all of them. But so the basic rundown, um, you know, uh, there's there's biblical evidence. There's a couple of uh, um, just theological points that just make sense that kind of lead us to this. So I'm just going to start running through some of this. Uh, the reason why I say that it is it is not possible for a true Christian to finally and ultimately fall away from faith and to forfeit their salvation. So. Uh, the first off, and I think the thing that kind of surrounds all of this is the notion that salvation itself is the work of God. It is the work of the Spirit of God. It's not the work of man. So when Jesus is, is talking in John 3 with uh, Nicodemus the Pharisee, who eventually does become a follower of Jesus, um, he, he talks about how one must be born again, how one must be born of the Spirit and he talks about how it is, it is the work of the Spirit of God, this being born again, this enabling that unless we're born of the Spirit, we can't even see the kingdom of God, okay? Um, so there's a, there's a big element of salvation that's kind of even out of our hands. And um, al although, you know, from our perspective, we do trust and believe in Jesus, but the question of why we do that is, is largely the work of the Spirit of God. Um, uh, you can also see this from the fact that the um, that the very concept of salvation is often called eternal life, and it's worth asking the question: In what sense? Uh, how much sense does it make to call it eternal life? If one of the first things we want to say about it is that it's not eternal, is that it can be lost, it can be that given up. 
temporary or uh, able to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, so like you, you consider a scenario like Jesus paints in John chapter five, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Notice how, how thorough and how final that is. The idea of you're no longer dead. So like what you're going to die again, right? We are born again and then we die again. Like, so like, are we really talking when we're talking about losing salvation? If we're talking about a true Christian losing salvation, we're talking about someone forfeiting that. Or you have first John five eleven. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son, this idea of eternal life again. And, um, and then in Jesus's prayer in John 17, his high priestly prayer, he says, uh, you have given the son authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So how many whom God has, whom the father has given Jesus have eternal life? Most, some, no, all. All of them, yeah. We see this also in Jesus's language in the bread of life discourse in John chapter six, starting in verse 37, he says, all that the father gives me will come to me, all of them. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose some No, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So notice there you have the work of God, the work of Jesus, and how it looks from our perspective, right? Like the father gives me to Jesus. Jesus keeps me in him raises me up on the last day. And, and, and what does my life look like? It looks like looking at Jesus and believing in him, right? Like, so we're not, by saying this is the work of God, we're not saying that our faith has nothing to do with it or no, that's what being saved looks like. And that's how these things kind of fit together. Mm. Another important passage for this is John chapter 10. We're doing a lot of John verses here at the beginning, Uh, but in verses 27 to 30 he says this he says my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of the father's hand i and the father are one okay. um so those are some strong passages that that I think point very strongly to this notion of eternal security. Uh, you get this also in different writers in different ways. So Paul um, likes to talk, for example, about the sealing and guaranteeing work of the Holy Spirit. So one of the many things that the Holy Spirit does mm. um, in Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14, he says in him, You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's that idea of like a wax seal on a letter, right? And the one to whom it's addressed breaks the seal, right? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit 
who is the guarantee or the down payment, right? Like I'm putting this on layoff of our inheritance until layoff, layaway. Layaway, yeah. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us is a guarantee. It's a seal until that day when we acquire full possession of our inheritance in Christ. And then a parallel idea in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Again, notice how much God is the active role in, in this whole process. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Okay, so these are, these are strong statements that I think could uh, build a very, very good biblical case for the idea of, of eternal security. Hmm. Um, you can also look to some of the prayers that Paul utters for his church, his churches. First um, Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, with, with all the problems of the church that the church at Corinth has, he will, our Lord Jesus Christ will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then finally, I would say Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So just note, note the amount of confidence that Paul has, not even in us, in, right, in our ability to, to, to grit our teeth and, and to persevere, but in God to preserve us and to save us and to sanctify us fully. Mm. So one of the big things here, Doug, that kind of, you know, especially we've, we've got a lot of different folks that tune into this, right? We've got folks that um, have been Christian for a long time and, and look to Theology Thursdays for more commentary and insight into uh, understanding scripture and, and the basic doctrines and, and even further uh, about our Lord uh, Jesus and about God. And then we've got folks that are tuning in that really aren't even Christian that are really just asking questions about scripture. And so, you know, one of the big things that kind of lands off the page here is we, as we talk about this idea that Christians cannot lose their salvation, the first aspect of this that really falls off is first and foremost, that this is the work of the Holy spirit, right? And the Holy spirit, this is God's work. And the Holy spirit is a down payment himself of that salvation, you know? And if there's one thing that like one proof in a Christian's life, it's the work of the Holy spirit that's going on in their life. Right. Um, and the I way always, we see that is by the Spirit's fruit. By, that's right. why they call it the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians right? 5, we see, right? Yeah. We were uh, chatting about that this week earlier, too. Yes. Yeah, for sure. In communities, I mean. Yeah, come, yeah it, comes, it comes up in, in, the, in the community groups this week. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, and, and no one should say, by the way, like, um, you know, I know we're getting close to some other very, um, very fiery topics here. Right. And, and no one should say, oh, it's totally the work of the spirit. So how do I know that that's me? Right. Like if the way you know it's you is if you believe and trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And sometimes, I often say this, right? Sometimes the Bible wants us to be very confident about our salvation, wants us to say, you confess Jesus, good. You should know that you are sealed until the day when you will experience your full inheritance in Christ. But there are other times in life where the Bible wants us to sweat. Work out right? your where salvation like, with fear test and trembling. Test, yeah, yeah, test yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Paul saying that he himself wants to make sure that he doesn't fail to attain the prize um, mm. after, after saving others, right? Um, and and it, it kind of depends on, on where we are at in life, whether or not we need to hear assurance or whether or not we need to be challenged. Like, mm. you know, maybe you are false. Mm. And uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But I just want to say that the way that we know is not by trying to guess whether or not the, the, the God has you know, saved us, but by saying, you know, the, the, the way the scripture says is everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Mm. Do you believe in Christ? Are you trusting in him and him alone? Mm. And, um, and if you hold fast to that, that is what saves you. Um, it's not your ability to kill sin in your life. It's not a, your ability um, to, to, to have fruitful ministry. It's, it's, your, it's your faith in Christ that saves you, and everything else follows as a result of that. Mm. I always, um, a lot of times I always think, because, you know, especially when, when you become a Christian for the first time, a lot of this can be really confusing. You know what I mean? You, you understand the mm -hmm. gospel, and, and then you understand what it means to have faith in Jesus. And then from there, it's just like, now what sometimes, you know what I mean? And that's really right. one of the biggest blessings of the church that we get to walk together and we get to minister to one another, encourage one another and together walk in faith and discipleship, which is, it's an right. amazing blessing. But a lot of times, especially in quarantine, you know what I mean? For folks that have just become a Christian, it's like, like, what do I do now? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's one. And it's, it's about building yourself up and strengthening your faith because this is something that's going to need to endure for, the, for all of life. Mm -hmm. Yes, God is the one who works in you to do it, but, but you work with him. You cooperate with him in that. His grace and your effort um, is, are like two blades of a scissor cut, of a pair of scissors cutting. Uh, and that's how salvation or, or, and sanctification is accomplished. Sanctification and, and certainly in discipleship as well, following after Jesus. You know, I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes for a lot of people, Doug, because, you know, salvation is the work of God, but here he calls us to have a part in what he's doing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In his plan yes. for his kingdom, you know, yeah. he calls us to have works, so to speak. You know what I mean? He calls us to bear the fruit of the spirit. As you said, he calls us to participate in the great commission, right? Matthew 28 that we just read together as a church. And so there is a role that we play. And I love the way that Ryan often phrases this in sermons. He says that we're saved to something. We're not just saved yeah. from sin. We're saved to a family. We're saved to ministry. We're saved to uh, work that Jesus is doing in, in building his church. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll return to in a moment, but he says he's talking about the other apostles. He's kind of, um, and he says, I worked harder than any one of them, but it was not I who worked, but Christ worked, mm. but, but God in me, you know. Um, yeah. Galatians 2.20 as well puts it pretty plainly. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, mm -hmm. um, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's our experience as Christians. Mm. So, um, Another, another passage where this, the, the cons, comprehensiveness of salvation really comes to a fore is that classic verse in Romans 8, chap, uh, verse 30, um, where Paul says, 
this. He says, and again, there's a lot of very meaty stuff in here, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but he says, all of and those whom he predestined, he also called. And, and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so that is often called um, the, the Romans chain, right? That, that you have this great chain of salvation stretching out into eternity past, into eternity future. This, this, this predestining, and it, notice it's people that he's predestinate, those whom he, whom he predestined, right? He called, right? So you say, how many whom he predestined did he call? All of All them. Of them. How many whom he called did he justify? All of them. And how many whom he justified did he glorify? Mm -hmm. Will he glorify? All of them. Sure, yeah. And, and so the, notice there's not a lot of room for slippage in there. There's not a lot of room for people who are predestined who don't end up being called, or who are called who don't end up being justified, or those who are justified who don't end up being glorified. And that's why we say that, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about salvation in a, in a robustly biblical way. And then on the one hand, and then on the other hand to say, oh, and by the way, you can lose it. Hmm. You can, you can cause yourself to fall away. Hmm. Um, if, if you are a true Christian. And again, we will qualify. We do need to qualify that with a few things. Right. So, so it's not without, it's not without reason that, um, one's view of eternal security, of your eternal security in Christ, is tied to your view of salvation as a whole. If I believe, for example, that all that is required for me to be saved is for me of my own free will to just choose to believe, and okay, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm convinced, I'm good, let's go, and that's all it is, like it's not the work of God transforming my heart, giving me new life, opening my eyes to see, giving me a heart to believe, right? If, if, if all it is is my free choice, then what is it that keeps me in Christ? What is because it that down the road, me, you could simply choose to no longer believe. You could simply right. choose to no yeah. longer. Yeah. It's not, it's not as if under those, under those kinds of uh, that, that kind of thought, right? As if your free will suddenly goes away after you believe in Christ and God just keeps you no matter what, right? Mm. And so it's and so that's that is why churches that tend to emphasize the free will choice of man very strongly also believe that you can lose your salvation. Mm. Um, you see this in Wesleyan churches, you see it in the assemblies of God, uh, where um, yes, you choose to believe and you can choose to stop believing. So um, that's, that's consistent, right? <laughs> if you want to say we, salvation is totally our own free choice, but you can't fall away, you could do that, but that's a lot less consistent. That It's hard to make sense out of how that would work. Um, so Doug, I just want to highlight what you said. Yeah. So at the beginning of this, you know, the big point that you just said here, um, you said one's view of eternal security is tied to their view of salvation as a whole. So mm -hmm. how we see eternal security is tied to how we see salvation. Yeah. To how strongly we see it as the work of God. Sure. Um, versus, versus the, the, the result of, of my choice that I myself am uh, ultimately responsible for. And sure. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of not the best way to put it, perhaps, because 
human responsibility is compatible with that kind of uh, uh, free, um, you know, divine choice. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, now, a key part of this, um, a very, very important concept, something that really puts a lot of stuff in the uh, in line, at least in my thinking, are are the several passages in the New Testament that talk about how saving faith is by definition faith that perseveres, okay? So in other words, I ask the question that all Christians ask, am I truly saved? Do mm-hmm. I really believe? Am I true? Am I, am I, am I, or is this just, am I self-deceiving? And there is such a thing as self-deception and mm-hmm. there is such a thing as false confessions of faith. Um, and, um, and, and there's a bunch of passages in the New Testament that say that the way in which we know that we are being saved is whether or not we will continue to believe in the future. Now, these are passages that make you sweat a little bit, as I said, right? Because that's, that's like saying, oh, I, I doubt my salvation, and then trying to comfort someone and saying, well, talk to me in 10 years, right? Talk to me in 15 years. And if you still believe then, then you can be and like, as actually, I remember Billy Graham uh, wrote in a, in a book of his that I read a long time ago, right? When I first got saved, I was sure that I was a Christian. Five years later, I was more sure. 10 years later, I was more sure. And now I'm even more sure than then. And realistically, that is kind of how it works, that yeah. it is our continuing in the faith. So, so some, sometimes we need to realize that you know, God is not playing games and, uh, and, and, uh, whether or not you are, it's not, it's not the church's job just to assure and any and everyone who doubts their salvation that yes, indeed, you know, Christ, we should be saying to everyone and you must persevere in your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that this needs to be a lifelong, this is a lifelong thing. We're not just trying to get people to, to sign cards or raise their hands at prayers or um, look up at the pastor during a sinner's prayer at church or something. We're looking to make lifelong disciples of Jesus. And truth be told, we want to say to everyone, if you say, you know, forget all this Jesus stuff 10 years from now, then your, your salvation is in question. So look at the way a bunch of these passages put it. Okay, and this perhaps will clarify things a little bit. So 1 Corinthians 15, one of our favorite chapters, um, he begins by saying this. He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. Now notice the tenses here. In which you stand, by which you are being saved. That's present now. And then he attaches the conditional clause to it. If you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Mm. So you stand in salvation now. You are being saved now if you hold fast. Mm. Uh, Colossians 1, uh, chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, 21 and following. He talks about how Christ has now reconciled us in his his body of flesh by his death in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, there you have it again, stuff that's presently true about us. If we continue to 
walk in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Um, a bunch of passages in Hebrews are like this as well. Uh, you get a bunch of these statements in Hebrews chapter 3. I'll mention two of them. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. We are God's house or Christ's house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, we are if we continue. Um, likewise, Hebrews three twelve through 14, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And here it is. For we have come, that is a past perfect verb, gaganamin, okay? We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hmm. This is, was true of us and is true now, continuing effects into the present, if we do this in the future. Hmm. Now, notice one important thing from all of these verses, which I think is super cool, right? Because it, it, he doesn't say, you are saved now, right? If you get rid of 90% of the sin in your life by the time you're dead. He doesn't say, you know, if you can finally kick that habit of sin that you have, right? He's, it's not, he's not, Paul is, Paul and the writer of Hebrews, these guys are not talking about present salvation dependent on future works. Mm -hmm. In every single one of them, notice how similar the language is. Okay, and these are things. It's 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 believing words, trusting in Christ words, faith words, mm. it, stuff that we would tell anyone who said, "What must I do to be saved?" Paul is just saying. Hebrews is saying, "Keep doing that." Mm. Um, I think that's a really really important distinction too, Doug. Yeah, uh, what yeah. you just said. You know, in in all of these things, I, I just want to reiterate what you said. It, it it's not. It's not our salvation is dependent upon future works, right? But we're not talking about works. We're talking about faith. You know what I yeah. mean? That, and I think you said this at the beginning, saving faith is by definition a faith that perseveres, right? There's a yeah. persevering aspect to our faith, which is what we're talking about now mm -hmm. um, versus works, right? And we'll talk about this in a little bit um, because I, I think a lot of this confusion a lot of times comes when people try to reconcile works with saving faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. And oftentimes it's backwards. It's, it's not, it's not works that produces saving faith. It's saving faith, saving faith that produces works. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And you know, if you guys are listening along, probably one of the uh, best verses for that, I think Ephesians two, eight through 10, I think if I remember that correctly. Eight, eight through nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eight through nine, eight through 10. Uh, check that out. That just kind of highlights that, that, you know, we are saved from sin two mm -hmm. works <laughs> you know what i mean which yeah. is really very Saved cool by grace for good works that he's prepared before for us before awesome and, and now doug you could, you could if i'm if i could just slide this in here real quick so again the point here is that the things that have to continue into the future that these verses are talking about are 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 it is absolutely faith so hold fast the word i preached to you unless you believed in vain right 
if you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from your hope, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, uh, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now, the interesting one here is that last one in Hebrews that I read, that cluster of verses in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, because that kind of gives us a little bit of a wider angle lens as to how sin plays into this and not sinning, <laughs> right, plays into it. Because he does say, watch, watch out for that. But, but notice how it works. So what is required is for me to go on holding fast to my hope in Christ. Continue that confession. Continue that trust in Jesus, that saving faith. Okay. But he says, how do you do this? Well, you do it, first of all, by being in community, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. And interestingly, one of the other big Hebrews warning passages occurs immediately after he says, don't forsake meeting together. Mm. But, um, but here he says, um, you, you continue in your faith by exhorting one another um, uh, so that you don't become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, so that's where sin comes in because sin hardens you. And then what does that do? It produces in us an evil, unbelieving heart leading us to fall away. So in other words, what we do is we, we do community. We, we do church work, right? The work of, of, of believers in community with one another, right? So that we can fight against sin because if sin gets in our lives, that eventually creates in us an evil, unbelieving heart. And that can compromise my belief. So the reason sin is so dangerous is not because Christ's death is not enough to satisfy the demands of God against my sin, right? The reason why sin is so dangerous is because when every time I say yes to sin, I'm saying no to Jesus. And getting used to doing that and making a habit out of doing that can eventually lead me to the place where I don't believe where I've lost my salvation. And for those who do that, okay, that what that shows is that true saving faith was never there in the first place. Okay? So that was, that was going to be my question, Doug, because, you know, the big question here now is, you know, that we've established that there is a permanence and there is mm -hmm. a persistence um, and a perseverance, to use your word, uh, yeah. to saving faith. You know, what about those that actually fall away from the faith? Yeah. So, all right. So if all I had were the passages that I just read about continuing steadfast, you could say people who are truly saved can lose it, right? So everything I've read in Hebrews so far, um, you know, you could say that. You could, you could definitely defend the position that you can lose your faith. The problem is, here, here, well, here's the thing. When you're trying to figure this stuff out, you need to make, make sense of all of the verses, <laughs> right? You need to make sense of all the biblical data that is relevant to the question that you're asking. And the shortcoming of the view that says you can lose your salvation is that it only makes sense of these, of these passages, right? Passages that it does not make sense of is everything we talked about in the first half of this conversation, right? The passages about nothing, uh, you know, all that the father gives him will come to him and, and he will lose none of them right and 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 
no one can snatch them out of my hand. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts as a guarantee of our, of, of our salvation until we acquire possession of it, right? Like those passages don't jive with the losing salvation view, but all of the passages make sense if we say, and, and I think uh, what, uh, if, if we say that you ca- a true Christian cannot lose their salvation, but plenty of people can be very deceived as to whether or not they're a true Christian, right? You can't lose your salvation, but there is such a thing as a false profession of faith. And the way we know that we are not false is by our continuing perseverance. It's not by how much I think I mean it right now or, or whether I cried or whether, you know, I, 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 I went away listening to the Christian radio station when I left church. It's, it's whether I continue in my faith. And, and now it's weird because we live in an evangelical atmosphere Okay, we're, there's a lot of great things about it, but one of the things about modern Protestant Christianity is that one of the worst things you could ever do is doubt someone's salvation or doubt your own. And if someone comes with doubts, right, about whether or not they're truly saved, like it's assumed to be the pastor's job to assure them no matter what. No, sometimes a person needs to say, look, you need to persevere in your faith. I can't see into your heart. I'm not, I, I'm an amateur fruit inspector. I can say, looks like you're saved, right? right. But I, I can't say for certain. What I can say is what the Bible says, that if you continue steadfast in your hope, then you have every assurance of salvation. Hmm. Uh, again, Doug, I, I just want to highlight one of the, you know, the main point that you said here. Uh, you said you can't lose your salvation, but there is something known as a false profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times, most of the questions that we get as far as theology and doctrine and things like that, they're always the extremes. And, you, you know, as far as my experience as a Christian, as far as my experience as a pastor, it's like the closer we get to these extremes of one side or the other, it's it, 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 most of the time you've missed something, you know what yeah. I mean? Somewhere. And so it's like, okay, I have doubts in my faith. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? even last week, Ryan was talking about like, there, there is a good doubt, you know what I mean? That we should be bringing to the Lord. You know, that's what Thomas did, you know, right. when he had doubt, he came to Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then the other side is yeah. true just as well, where it's like, on one side, it's like, okay, well, I have some doubts. And then the other side, it's like, well, you know, I went to Christian as a kid. I know him. I, I know him. Or I went yeah. to church as a kid. I know I'm a Christian. It's like, and, and one of the marks of true faith, saving faith is that you're not apathetic towards your own sin. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm more concerned with somebody who, who sins high handedly against the Lord and isn't concerned about it and is fine with it than somebody who's struggling with their sin. struggling. If you're struggling, that's a very good sign. I struggle with sin. Um, not, and, and, but not like I'm the paradigm of salvation either. Right. Like I have to work out my own salvation and fear and troubling. We all do. And we need to maintain, as with so many things, a healthy balance between confidence and fear and trembling. Hmm. Those both need to be present in our lives in order to have a healthy walk with Christ. I think that's really well put, Doug, the, the balance between confidence and, and fear and trembling. And I think that might be a good place to maybe... Uh, uh, take a rest in our conversation and, and perhaps we could um, look at some of the other 
things that are relevant to this next time. Um, sure. There certainly are a couple passages that I, you know, that, uh, as I said, you need to be able to handle all of the passages that are relevant. And certainly there are a few that, you know, um, those of a different perspective than us would cite as evidence that a Christian could lose their salvation. So perhaps we'd look a little bit at those um, next Thursday. But, Absolutely. Yeah. And if you guys are listening to this too, and, and you do, you know, as Doug and I are talking about this, we, Doug and I have a habit where I like to ask questions and Doug likes to explain them. And so we could go on for two hours. Sometimes even when Doug and I even just, you know, turn on the video chat, we'll, we'll be chatting for 20 minutes before you even hit the record button. And so knowing that we have that tendency, we try to truncate everything and try to keep to the notes. But if you guys do have questions, if we, if you feel like we've skipped over anything in the conversation, please feel free to write us. We'd love to hear from yeah. you. Uh, and we can always answer those questions in future installments and future videos as well. Um, so you can write either of us at our email addresses. It's our first name dot last name at emergencenj.org. So that's doug.becker at emergencenj.org and alex.hauser at emergencenj.org. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Doug, thanks for preparing all this for us. And I will look forward to seeing you all in the next video. Me Take too. Care. Bye.